On this episode of the LTD Podcast, I'm joined by Blake Resnick, CEO and founder of Brink Drones. Brink Drones is an American drone manufacturer that designs UAV platforms to protect first responders in situations of real-world danger. This podcast is going to be a two-parter. We're going to have part one here now, and then we're going to have part two at a later date. Make sure you check out part two and keep tabs on when that gets posted because it's got a lot of really exciting information from Brink Drones in it. Also, I want to apologize ahead of time to Blake as well as you, the listener. Unfortunately, we had a slight error in the recording process for part one of this podcast. So the first three minutes of the conversation were unfortunately completely lost. We're going to pick up with the conversation with Blake where the recording process actually did what it was supposed to do and started capturing our podcast episode. So without further ado, let's talk drones. Around about when did you start Brink and, you know, what was your initial, you know, uh, journey like? I, I, the ideas there, the the reasonings behind it, and that's all, I mean, super noble and uh, an awesome cause to get behind in terms of how you want to develop drone technology to help. But, you know, what were those initial stages like when you began Brink? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been building like RC planes and helicopters and stuff ever since I was, I was pretty young. So, you know, drones, when, when they came about, I, you know, I built early drones with, uh, you know, Hobby King flight controllers and stuff. And, uh, you know, like I've always, I've always kind of been around the industry and thinking about it. Um, definitely diverted at some different points. I, I built like a, a nuclear fusion reactor in my garage a while ago, terrified my neighbors and wasn't a drone. But, like, I, I, did, I did a couple projects like that, too. But uh, wait, hold on. We got I got I got to pump the brakes. Nuclear fusion reactor. Like, w- first of all, why? But second of all, like, how do you even go about doing something like that? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was really for fun. Um, it was fully for fun, or maybe just to prove to myself that I could do it. Uh, some combination of those things. Um, how did I go about it? Frankly, a lot of eBay parts. Okay. A lot of eBay parts. Yeah. Um, there, weirdly, there's actually like a community of people online that build these things too. So I, I made what's called an inertial electrostatic confinement nuclear fusion reactor. So kind of the way it works is you have a, a vacuum chamber that you, you, you know, evacuate fully. You bring to like a, an ultra high vacuum. So usually that's done with like a roughing mechanical pump and then like a turbo molecular pump. Then you have to backfill this chamber with nuclear fuel, which in my case was deuterium, which I couldn't get my hands on at the time because I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14. Um, but I, I could get heavy water. So I did electrolysis on the heavy water. I got deuterium. I backfilled my chamber. And then you kind of the way you force fusion is you've got to smash, uh, you've got to smash these atoms into each other. Uh, so. The way I did that is is through like electrostatic forces. So what that means is you have like an inner tungsten grid that's charged to a very high negative negative potential. In my case, it was like negative 40, 50,000 volts. You hold the outside of the chamber to ground potential. That causes all of the deuterium inside to fuse into deuterons, which are charged. You accelerate those with this big, you know, this big electrical potential. They smash into each other and then they form, you know, like helium and neutron radiation and X-rays and a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how it worked. 
that's 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 wild. I, it's not, <laughs> I gotta ask, what's do you have a ballpark on on your IQ? Like I don't know, I don't mean to focus on that, but there, you might be the, the most intelligent person I've ever spoken to. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, it was it was a really fun project. I think a lot of it in my case was just it was just persistence. You know, <laughs> like the early like the early versions of the reactor did not work at all. My power supplies were bad, and like vacuums were poor, and like many things failed. And like the only thing that actually got it to work was me sticking with it for you know six months and troubleshooting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, got there in the end. That's all that really counts. I mean, is that you got there in the end. And I got to tell you, like the persistence part, I, I can relate to that part because it's it's being like a creator, being a small business owner and, you know, looking at you and the journey you've been on and the business you've built and created, that persistence pays off no matter, you know, what you're in. Um, yeah, pretty necessary. What- it's it's super necessary, and you know what I'm what I'm really interested to hear is what the the initial because arguably and correct me if I'm wrong, but arguably the lemur is your flagship drone. I mean yep. that is that's your 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 robot. That's the guy that you go to. Um, yep. What did the early versions of the lemur look like? I mean, what was the the R and D process for that, and then the eventual manufacture process. Let's Talk Drones and the LTD podcast are brought to you by The Droning Company, the number one online resource for commercial remote pilots based in the United States. Make sure you check them out online at thedroningcompany.com. They've got a second to none job board, plus tons of resources, information, and articles to make you a more well-rounded commercial remote pilot. If you sign up for a membership with The Droning Company, it's just a very small monthly fee. They take nothing off the top of any jobs that you get using their job board or using your pilot profile to attract clients. And speaking of your pilot profile, it is an all-in-one pilot portfolio. You can post pictures, videos, any information, or anything that might display your skills as a UAV pilot on your pilot profile to help attract clients, both visiting thedroningcompany.com and externally. So there's no reason not to sign up. It's a very nominal fee. Make sure you check it out, thedroningcompany.com and across all major social media platforms. Well, yeah. I mean, it all started when I when I cold called Las Vegas Metro SWAT. Um, surprisingly, they they answered and they agreed to have lunch with me. And, you know, we talked about the events of October 1 and then the conversation kind of broadened to all of the rest of the missions that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And what, what I walked away from that meeting thinking was if they just had a tool to get eyes and ears in dangerous places, that that would save lives for them regularly. You know, not just in active shooter events, but in, you know, barricades and hostage rescues and high-risk warrant searches and, and all of their missions. And that's that's kind of what I thought I could build. So I went, uh, like I went to my mom's kitchen, which she never liked, but I, I did. And I basically engineered like the first, the first version of the lemur drone. So got that, set up a big meeting with the SWAT team to show it off. They hated it. They told me so. Like always, I did everything wrong. It's like, okay, it's like kind of brutal, but like they at least explained to me what needed to change. So went back, totally re-engineered the drone, showed that off. This time they liked it. Uh, they basically said, you know, we're really interested in, in using this, but no one is using drones to fly indoors right now and uh, let alone on you know on SWAT callouts and before we buy this we'd like to invite you along on some callouts if you're up for it and uh, we can tr- you can try this stuff out and test it on submissions and maybe you can keep improving it and I would say like more than anywhere that is where the product actually matured 
uh, it was me like getting 3 a.m. calls that, you know, there's a barricade at this location somewhere in Las Vegas and then driving out, uh, bringing the drone, giving it to the officers to fly around uh, to try to find and talk to someone. Uh, if it worked, amazing. If it didn't work, you know, why not? And then I would spend the next couple of weeks trying to fix whatever problem, you know, we, we encountered, whether that was overheating or some feature not existing or, or something similar. And uh, by the end of that, we really started affecting the way that these SWAT callouts would happen, where, you know, we would be able to find a suspect and then put on a crisis negotiation team member to de-escalate and have them come out with their hands up peacefully, which is an amazing outcome. Uh, or, you know, we'd just be able to locate someone or we'd be able to tell them, you know, in, in two or three minutes, clear the entire structure and tell the team that their person isn't here. And uh, once that started happening regularly, they they became our first customer. So it's kind of how it happens. Now, I got to ask in, uh, you know, in, in no particular way, do I want any like specifics because that would obviously cause a conflict. But did you face any like personal backlash? I mean, that R&D process where, like you said, you took it out. If it worked, it was great. If it wasn't, you had to ask the question, why didn't it work the way it was supposed to? Did you face any backlash from either officers on scene or people you were talking about, you know, getting involved with where they got frustrated with you in that process? Yeah, I think I think one thing that you know, we did, that was a really good idea was number one, initially setting expectations. This is a brand new prototype. You know, this entire company is me. Like I don't have any funding or employees. Like, you know, um, they just, they just, their expectations were well set that this was going to be a process and like the first versions of the drone weren't going to be perfect. So that was, that was good. The second thing that we did that was intelligent, I think, to try to mitigate what, what you're describing is, the first missions we did, um, we didn't do with, you know, a suspect in a house. Basically, the, the SWAT team would come and they would resolve the situation with conventional means. And then while they were packing up, the person's already arrested or everyone's safe. Uh, they would have us just fly through the house as if it was a real mission. Okay. And that was really wise because it exposed us to like legitimate operating conditions where we're in we're in real sites and we're having to fly this drone from like actual representative pilot locations but if something goes wrong it's not a big deal because it's it's not a live mission and only after we we got comfortable doing those did we actually try to deploy with you know with real suspects uh okay. and that that also helped mitigate a lot of the risks what was what was that like the first time you had like a real suspect and it was sort of hands-on with the drone then i mean how how was that? It was insane. Yeah, I can tell you the story if you're interested. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, this was, this was pretty intense. So, all right. So kind of the, the, the lead up to this was um, there was an attempted drive-by shooting in, in Las Vegas. Uh, but the people trying, so there was effectively someone walking down the sidewalk, a car drove up, shot at the person a couple of times, and then sped away. But uh, they didn't hit him. And this guy, as you would in that situation, called 911, you know, explained what happened and said, I'm pretty sure I know who just tried to do this and then gave them all their information. So police took that, look up the address. They sent out patrol cars to uh, to this location, uh, put up a big speaker system, started calling out for them to, to come out of the house. They, they didn't come out. Tried to do this for a couple more hours. They still didn't come out. 
now is this is like the the typical time that a SWAT team would, would be called because you have an armed and dangerous suspect uh, inside of a house, resisting arrest, refusing to come out, sending normal patrol officers inside would be wildly dangerous. So yeah. they don't. They call the SWAT team. So SWAT team shows up. Uh, around this time, I get a call. Uh, they explain the situation. They say, you know, this, maybe it's the one. Like, get out here. So I grab all my stuff. I throw it in the car. I drive maybe 20 minutes across Vegas to get to this location. I arrive. Second I arrive, I hear this, like, huge explosion. It's like, oh, my God, what's that? So I ask, and uh, the officers tell me they just put an explosive charge on the front door. Uh, they just blew it off its hinges. And then about 45 seconds after that, two people ran out of the house. Uh, they talked to those two people. They were involved with the drive-by shooting. But they say there's one more person in the house that isn't going to come out. Okay. So uh, they're like, Get the drone ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> get the drone. Um, it's like, okay. So we got the drone. Uh, one of the officers is piloting it. We take it off. We fly up to the front of the house. They already blew out the front door. So we fly in through the front door. We're, we start clearing the inside of the first story of this house. We're streaming all this video back to a big display that we're all watching. Um, then uh, we, we pretty much clear the entire first floor. There's no one there, at least no one we can see. We go up to the staircase, we fly up the staircase, right as we're kind of rounding the corner into a hallway on the second story, uh, we, we see this woman. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, she's here. Um, already this is useful to the team because now they know, you know where the person is, they know that she isn't holding a weapon, they know that she exists and is inside of the structure, so a lot of data has been communicated already. Mm -hmm. um, she notices the drone, she kind of freaks out for a second, then she, uh, her facial expression kind of changes and she starts beckoning the drone to follow her deeper into this house. It's like, man, we'll see where this goes. But the pilot decides he wants to follow her. So uh, he's following her. They end up walking into this like big walk-in closet. Uh, right as the drone is entering in, she starts rushing past us on the side. She's trying to lock us in the closet. But the pilot was fast, recognized this, added some added some some pitch, basically flew out of this thing as fast as he could, crashed into a cabinet. Uh, so we're like, shit. Um, <laughs> then though, then though, this lady comes up, and with both of her hands on either side of the drone, she picks it up. So now the SWAT team knows exactly where she is. You know, they know uh, what her face looks like. And they know that she's not holding anything because they can literally see both of her hands on either side of this drone. So they put on the crisis negotiation team. They call into the drone with two-way audio system. They start talking to her. And they end up deciding that they now have enough information to just go in and grab her. So they send in the SWAT team. They go to the exact location where they know her and the drone are because they have this live video feed. Uh, they arrest her. And that was, that was the end of the call out. So wow. that was the first That's one. That's amazing. I mean, talk about what yeah. a what a perfect like case study use case, and then just everything went exactly even down to the officer was <laughs> reacting the way yeah, he needed to true. to get out of that closet. We did crash. We did crash. But, um, <laughs> she grabbed it. and It was fun. But you, now some of those. Uh, learning curves like the crash for instance did translate into some of the features you have with the lemur s and we have some information we want to talk about 
in part two of this podcast episode. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Lemur S because that's the model that I saw, like I said, at the UAV Expo. And one of the features is that turtle mode, that, that ability to sort of flip over. Um, but the other thing that I, I really like about that drone, uh, aside from the really cool, like the glass smasher, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it is, it's, it's perch time, which is, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's, it's, it's a very long perch time, yeah. uh, which for those of you listening or watching this on YouTube, uh, perch time is essentially the drone's on, but it's not flying. So how long can it stay on in that state, which people might look at that and go, what, why does the perch time matter? But the two way communication system that you have on the lemur S is really where that comes in strong. Have you gotten any use cases or case studies from law enforcement departments where they've used that, that you can share with us? Oh yeah. All the time, both, both on the perch mode and the two way audio component. So on perch, one pretty common tactic is, you know, they'll be able to fly into a house and look around, but there might be a door or two that they just can't get in, you know, like it's barricaded. They can't push it open with the drone. Maybe there's not a window to that room. Um, maybe they've cleared the rest of the structure and they're pretty sure that their suspect is, is in that room in particular. So what they'll frequently do is just perch the drone watching that door. And then they'll know, you know, if, if that thing opens exactly exactly, you know, when it happens and what, what happens afterwards. So that's kind of like a core perch time use case is just like positioning a camera anywhere you want in a structure for an extended period of time. And yeah, the two-way audio capability is, is used, it's used constantly. I mean, it's, it's one of our most, maybe it's the like most important feature in, in all of Lemur. Uh, our drone is a flying cell phone. It's designed to find folks and, and talk to them. And it, it frequently helps de-escalate and just give the crisis negotiations team a way to actually communicate with someone in, in crisis. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's really great. It, it, you guys have developed a uh, a really solid uh, public safety and law enforcement and just a, a tool that can anybody that's dealing with a high tension situation like we talked about um, can really rely on to to get them through a situation safely. Uh, yeah. the, the other part that I really like about it is the FPV mode. Um, yeah. That's that's just so cool. And that's coming from somebody that really likes flying that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, in terms of like training, uh, if there's a law enforcement agency watching this, uh, somebody that maybe doesn't use drone technology, but is interested in adding that to their arsenal, you know, what kind of training does Brink offer for law enforcement agencies? Yeah, good question. So all of our stuff comes with one free full day of training. So uh, we'll come out to, you know, customer sites and uh, really explain how the stuff works and do some piloting exercises together. And then we also have a paid three-day training, which in general we do at our Las Vegas office, but we can also do remotely. Uh, so yeah, we've we found that to be really tremendously helpful, especially on Lemur-S that you know, takes a little bit of skill to fly. Um, just spending that time together with our training team that really deeply understands how this stuff works, uh, it leads to much better outcomes when when our customers try to deploy it on missions. Yeah, and I, I would say looking at that challenge of do you make a drone pilot a police officer so that they can work hand in hand with public safety, or do you make a, a police officer a drone pilot? The the easier battle to fight there is to make make a police officer a drone pilot. No doubt, and I would say. I'm actually not really aware of any of our customers that have hired like a full-time drone pilot from the commercial side. 
um, almost always the officer becomes becomes the pilot and develops yeah. those skills. But you know, drone technology is improving, and you know our products are improving, and it is becoming increasingly easy and user friendly to operate these types of things. So, I think. I think in the future, uh, it'll be, it'll just be even easier for officers to take this on as sort of an additional duty. Yeah, it'll become the same as uh, you know any other piece of equipment that they use. You know, it'll, yeah, it'll just yeah. everybody's trained on it and they know how to use it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I've heard I've heard sort of drone officers being compared a little bit in the past to like canine, for example, where like it is it is like an additional skill set that people train for and they they specialize in to some extent, but. Um, you know, there's still there's still officers at the end of the day. I don't know if that'll actually happen with drones. I think I think it is easier for normal officers without that specialization to you know to operate drones well. But we'll see. Yeah, and I think innovation coming from companies like yours, especially Brink, um, is going to help to bridge that gap and make it yeah. so that it's not so daunting for a police officer to pick up a drone and know what they need to do to use it effectively. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that is kind of unique about us is we're not a drone company that's trying to build, you know, consumer drones and industrial drones and commercial drones and public safety and agriculture and defense and everything. That's just, it's just not who we are. We're, we're really obsessively focused on building the best public safety drones in the world. You know, police, fire, hazmat. This is where we, we want to spend our time. And I think that puts us in a position where we can build products that are just really fine tuned for this use case. You know, they have features that mean the world to public safety that might not matter at all to someone flying a, like an agricultural drone flight, for example. And uh, I just think it's, it's important. It's an important differentiator and um, really leads to better outcomes in the field. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And you do see a lot of other companies uh, that do have their fingers in a bunch of different pies, if you will. And that's the one thing that I really noticed about Brink as I've researched the company and gotten familiar with who you folks are, is that you are dedicated to public safety, hazmat, emergency response. And I think that shows in your product because, you know, I'm very confident in saying, your product has the most full encompassing um, uh, capabilities in terms of serving that sector. Uh, it certainly is something that if you're working in that sector and you're trying to add UAV technology in some meaningful way to your operation, uh, the Brink drones are the way to go. Uh, and I, I think don't think there'd be many people that would argue against that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's true. And Think about how difficult it is from a company's perspective too to try to serve like the thousand dollar drone like consumer market and also try to serve you know like public safety or defense. It's very different. It's very different. Customer, customer support has to be different. You know the sales cycle, how long it takes to close a sale, has to be different. Marketing has to be different. It's just it's really tough to do all of that well and. You know, the public safety market's large, 20,000 police departments, like 40,000 plus fire departments. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really kind of where we want to spend our time. And, you know, the, the question that I would have in terms of uh, you being the company's leader and, you know, really having a vision for what direction you want to go, you do so well at public safety and emergency response. And 
I heard uh, a team member, Brett, referred to your drone as a tactical drone. And uh, I felt that really fit the description well. But that also brings to mind military application. Is there any, you know, thought or, you know, uh, any maybe current use of it in a military application? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ukraine is a big uh, is a big user of our stuff. Um, but what we find is even over there, like the primary use cases are searching buildings that might have been hit by cruise missiles, for example, to try to find survivors or, you know, try to assess the structural stability of, you know, partially standing buildings, for example. Um, it's used a little bit in surveillance and reconnaissance, but that just isn't the primary use case. So there are there are some military applications, but it's just it's just not where we're focused. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I, I can appreciate that candidness with it because it, I mean, that it is, that that's what Brink's good at. Brink is good at what it does. Um, so it, it, it's good to know that it can be used for other things, but really it's strong suit is in that, that, uh, public safety, emergency response, law enforcement. So. And I mean, it, it's also, it's a life-saving use case, right? Like when our, when our drone is deployed on, on a SWAT call out or hazmat mission or one of these collapsed building scenarios, like the alternative is putting a human being in harm's way. Mm -hmm. That's 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 what our technology reduces. So I think I think it's a it's a great market and it's an area that, you know, we really feel honored to serve. Do you have any numbers? And I'd be interested to know this, even if you don't right now, but do you have any numbers uh, that estimate just how many lives that your drones have saved, whether it's a law enforcement officer or somebody that's in a situation that law enforcement responds to? It's so hard to estimate yeah. because we don't we don't track any data about like the utilization of our drones. So we don't we don't know exactly how often our customers are deploying. Um, and then frequently, you know, we will hear stories from the field about successful deployments. But there I mean, there there are many more that we just never, never hear about. Um, sure. I can tell you. Will, Will Hudler, who is our, our sort of lead trainer and one of, one of the people that is uh, sort of a, a close interface with public safety community, um, VP like public safety at Brink, uh, he, he's heard of 17 different events where um, it could have gone much worse without one of our pieces of technology. But yeah. I, think, I think that's a very incomplete data point. Uh, and I, you know, I just think about it, there's there's the residential stories where, like for instance, the first use ever of a drone that you developed was in in a res in a residence. But you know, you think about so many big complexes that, are, unfortunately, in in recent history, especially, have been faced with just these travis you know tragic shootings. And um, yeah. but you think about like a school, like how much safer it'd be to navigate a school with a with a UAV, um, and and at least yeah. you know survey the area and get a feel for what's going on before you send actual humans in there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this can make sense across a wide swath of, of public safety response missions. Um, I think I, I think there there are definitely some use cases there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Blake, I just uh, we're going to wrap part one up here. Uh, I do want to thank you for being on the podcast. It's been great. We've been sort of talking with your team about having this happen and it finally came. So really happy to have you on. Um, before we let you go for part one, I do want to just make sure that everybody knows where to find Brink or that if they want to learn more, where can they find you? Website, social media? Yeah, BrinkDrones.com. 
B-R-I-N-C-D-R-O-N-E-S.com. That's that's really it. You'll see a bunch of information about us, our products. Uh, We have all the social links there as well. Okay, excellent. Uh, Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Blake Resnick, CEO and founder of Brink Drones. Awesome time with you today. Look forward to talking to you soon about that uh, exciting announcement we have. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yo, yo, what you